broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural show for Good Morning Cherokee. I'm your host, Gary Aceto. Glad you could be with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Special Tea, Building Tables, Building Community, Rebuilding Lives. Visit Special Tea at www.specialt.net. I'd like to welcome my first guest, Dave person with Schoolbox. Dave is president and CEO. Welcome to the show, Dave. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, me being a fairly newbie here to Atlanta for about four years, I have small children. I have a wife that works at a high school, so we were customers first. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Let's start with you. Me? Well, I, my wife and I together have been in the Schoolbox business since 1990. Um, Started with one retail store in East Cobb and at our peak had 17 retail stores, um, moved to online sales, now operate two separate websites and focusing, you know, on everything that you need for education. Our focus is to su- provide the supplies needed by all of those who affect the uh, learning of our children, teachers, parents, schools, everybody. Absolutely. And your headquarters is in? We're right here in Marietta. Marietta, Georgia. Great. Yeah. We have three retail stores still in Atlanta, one in Kennesaw, one in uh, DeKalb County, one down below the airport in uh, Clayton County, and then um, operate two websites, do a lot of work directly with school systems and um, daycare centers, church preschools, so forth. So we're having a good time. How'd you get into the business? What brought you to open school box? Yeah. So my wife, um, was a teacher, first grade teacher in Cobb County for many years. And uh, we were married before she finished college and she started setting up her first classroom and kept dragging me around with her to shop, which <laughs> back in the late eighties, there weren't many places to do that. Um, I kept spending my money on her classroom at, at about right. $1,500. I said, uh, when are they going to pay you back for this? And she said, they're not, I have to buy all of these things. And so <laughs> that is true. my business mind went there could be a better business here. Um, and we spent about two years working on that and opened our first store in East Cobb and kind of the rest is history. So, wow. Um, you know, schools have changed a lot, uh, for a number of reasons, but I do want to talk about, um, uh, COVID and how it's affected your business. Yeah. So COVID was interesting. I mean, we've been through obviously over the years, you know, quite a few ups and downs in the economy and, um, you know, shifts in people's shopping habits from retail to online and, you know, smart boards instead of books and so forth and so on. But last year was a learning experience for us, you know, to have our primary customer, which is our schools and our daycare centers, all of a sudden have to um, pivot and close and then create virtual options. Uh, we really felt that right up, you know, right at, out of the gate. Um, we, saw an immediate shift to parents who we maybe hadn't seen as much in our retail stores, um, all of a sudden rushing in going, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have my kids home for the unforeseeable future. You know, right. What do I need to do? And so we did, we did shift to focusing a little bit more on parents while those teachers didn't have to, you know, buy materials for their classroom. Virtual, um, kind of shifted us into some products that we hadn't sold before. And, and, um, now we're seeing, you know, most of the school systems are back at least, you know, some are in the classroom, some are still virtual. Um, so we're seeing a real good mix now of, of um, you know, the parents and the schools. Um, but it definitely was kind of a quick learning experience for us. In fact, the only staff members we added during COVID were um, all web uh, development folks, wow. um, content. You know, we've switched to a new website. We have, uh, you know, 
a new um, employee that's just focused on making sure, you know, we're getting product up there fast enough and, and the experience for the customers is, is, you know, speedy as possible. So we've definitely seen a big shift to, um, you know, folks who don't necessarily want to come shopping or aren't comfortable coming shopping, you know, ordering from us online. And we definitely want to see that continue. So people can order from Schoolbox um, online. Are you also on the Amazons of the world? You know, I've looked at Amazon two or three times, but um, Amazon really is not the best friend for the business person. You know, unless you're building or manufacturing that product, um, and we don't, most of the products, you know, that we carry come from, you know, experts that are, you know, in the publishing business or in the school equipment business. And we're, we're just trying to package and put all those products together and, you know, have the best offering, but you know, that that's an extra business in the step. So when you start to join Amazon and they want to take a big chunk out of that, um, and it just, it's never looked to be the best benefit for us, but we do partner with a couple great wholesalers in our industry that stock, you know, way more than we could ever stock. It gives us mm-hmm. more opportunities to, you know, expand our product selection online. And it also allows us to get product more quickly for customers. So we have, um, we stock quite a bit of product in our warehouse. And then we have two other locations that stock a completely different set of products. So when you're shopping on our website, we have access to all of those you know products quickly and we can get them to you quickly. So something tells me when shoppers either come to your store or go online they're going to get somebody on the other side of that phone that knows what they're talking about. So particularly in our stores for years, um, you know, and I've said this recently, you know, most of our store staff from my wife down um, are either still in the classroom or they're former Mm -hmm. educators. And and if, if not that they have raised their own set of children, which, you know, gives them an honorary teaching degree really. And they, they have a good understanding of what we sell. So when a, a, a young parent or a new teacher comes in, it's, it's not just us showing them the product. We can give them a little bit of advice on, you know, how to address that concern that maybe the teacher has sent the parents in for, you know, your son's having, you know, some struggles with reading comprehension or they're just not getting multiplication. You know, what, what can we do? Oh, you should go to the school box and, you know, talk to them and we can send them out with some, you know, products that are going to help them solve that. And, And we, we hope that that's of more benefit than just coming in and picking up product. Absolutely. So let's talk about product. What's new in your space in education? I've been there before, but there's supplies out there. There's different terminology out there. What's new and exciting? What are people looking for? Well, I think, you know, really for the last year since COVID started, I think, you know, we're, we're back to focusing on some things that we've probably sold for almost our whole 30 years in business. I mean, parents are needing, um, you know, workbooks, they're needing flashcards, they're needing, you know, mm-hmm. manipulatives to help children, you know, children learn differently. And both of my children who are now grown now were perfect examples of both. You know, my daughter would sit for hours and, and work page after page through a workbook and just, you know, meticulously complete everyone and be happy about it. My son would run from a workbook. <laughs> That's so, my experience. So, yeah. so you have to give him, um, something to catch his attention. So something a little more manipulative, something he can use in his hands or uh, some audio version of, you know, some rap songs helping you memorize multiplication or what have you. So we still sell all those products. They, some of those have shifted, you know, we have new versions of things that have been out for quite a while, but um, you know, all of those products to help, you know, get kids um, started in school and and help them with some of those um, subjects that, not everyone catches multiplication is a big one. You know, addition, subtraction usually flows through nicely, but addition sometimes can be a, a, just take an extra moment. So we sell a lot in that regard. Um, 
um, reading comprehension, you know, phonics, you know, all of those types of things that, that core segment of, you know, early childhood kind of as they enter kindergarten, first grade, those are really our sweet spot for the parents and the teachers that we work with. I'm noticing quite a few new, uh, daycares or after school programs. I mean, mom and dad have been stuck at home and, you know, I'm one of those and going a little bit crazy. And so I'm seeing a lot of those facilities open. Do you offer anything other than in addition to the supplies for a school or a daycare? And what are those? So I spent a lot of time and have for several years working with a lot of the, you know, church preschools, um, daycare centers, um, Montessori schools, and, and on the other end, not to exclude them, we do a lot of work in the assisted living arena. Oh, wow. Um, it's in, in, it's a lot of the same product that they're looking for from an um, education standpoint, but we also do a lot in the furniture space. So um, classroom furniture, um, activity desks, uh, chairs, uh, cubbies, you know, storage units, little coat lockers for their classroom, marker boards, all of those types of things. We can pretty much outfit a whole school or a whole classroom. And I have, you know, worked with quite a few customers over the years to help them. You know, they are building a new location and they send us that list and we can help you know, get that all set up and outfitted for them. So they're ready to, you know, open up. So if they're going to be opening a business like that, should they get a dimensional plan, get out the tape measure, or is that something you can help them with? I mean, how do you outfit a school if you don't have that experience? So we work, you know, with, at all stages, sometimes they already know what their list is and they're just approaching us going, Hey, we need this list of supplies for this, you know, these six classrooms. Can you help us with that? And we can of course, you know, come back with suggestions and spec it all out and, and, other times they, you know, here's the school. We're not completely sure. We know, you know, what will fit in here, what won't. And we can, you know, we can come in and, you know, take it from there and give them flooring, you know, carpet, classroom carpets and wow. desks. And, you know, now the, you know, a lot of uh, schools are creating these open spaces for just, you know, open studying and right. working on their laptops or whatever. So they don't want the traditional look. They want more soft seating and, you know, soft cubes and cushions and things for the kids to just kind of spread out and, and feel comfortable just having their own independent study time. So we do, we have vendors that sell all of that now. It's it's interesting to see that move forward. So you service Georgia. Do you service the rest of the country? Cause you do have a website. So we do have a website. We, you know, obviously we've probably shipped stuff all over the country at some point, but um, we have, um, we are the preferred vendor for a couple of big buying groups that, the private schools in this area belong to. And so that takes us into some markets like, you know, North and South Carolina and out toward Texas and so forth. But, um, and it's interesting from a, just a true online standpoint, we have some really big pockets of customers in all of the big cities, you know, Chicago, right. New York, and out in Los, Los Angeles. And I think when, when I look back and like, how, how are we doing business with these pockets of people? <laughs> and it's all folks that lived in Atlanta knew about the school box were relocated for some reason and have just continued to use us online, even though we didn't have a store close to them. So the name resonates. I mean, we're four years new to Atlanta. My wife is there all the time. She works at a high school, um, but folks need that product knowledge. And that's what school box brings um, in addition to being a local business, but with a national footprint. Um, if somebody's going to order a product from you, let's talk about furniture a little bit more. I was just curious. Sure. Um, so they order it from, what's the process they order it? Do they, how do they put it together? I mean, they don't know how to do, what do, what do they do? Yeah. So absolutely. Um, obviously depending on how far away we're shipping it, you know, we might have to, you know, make some arrangements, but mostly here in Atlanta when we're doing a new school, in fact, I have, um, 
an employee in Atlanta right now doing a, a classroom setup this morning. He left our warehouse as I was leaving to come see you. Awesome. And, you know, he'll be, you know, helping them, you know, unload all of that product, unbox it all, you know, put legs on tables, take chairs out of boxes, that kind of nice. thing. So, you know, and we, we definitely, when we're doing a big project like that, we want to make sure that we, you know, can hold their hands and make sure that when we walk away, it, it looks like it's ready for kids. Um, we just set up a whole, you know, several new classrooms out in a school in Texas in January. And I flew out there and spent a day and, you know, wow. un- unloaded boxes and put legs on tables and, you know, screwed shelves and cubbies and, and made sure we took all the cardboard away. So on a big project like that, it's, that's just part of the deal. We want to make sure that we, you know, are giving them the full package and they're not having to um, worry about that. They have enough to worry about just getting, you know, children enrolled and getting teachers hired and getting ready to open up and, you know, pass their licensing that they have to do with whatever state they're working with. So we want to make sure this piece is not on their stress list. That is so good to know because, um, you know, we, we, we live and work in a global economy now. As an example, my area code for my cell phone is 561. People say, are you down in West Palm Beach? No, I'm in Atlanta. It's a non-issue. We have a global outreach. You know, we're here in Atlanta Metro, specifically your company in Kennesaw. Being able to service the entire country like that is huge. And not to take away from the big boys, but, you know, if I'm a school and I need furniture, people tend to go to Amazon first. And you can buy pretty much anything on Amazon. However, the big question is what happens after you order it? So I think I know that level of service is what, educators and schools really need. And I know you've been in Cobb for a long time. So here we are, my, my younger children are back face to face, um, in Cobb County. And right now, uh, schools in general are looking at ordering products and furniture for back to school. I think we're going to see a surge in that. Is there any cool new stuff out there that, you know, we're hearing about air purification, we're hearing about UV lighting. What's your take on that? So it's interesting, you know, when, when all of this first started, um, you know, we started looking at what most of the schools were having to buy, which was, you know, masks and shields and, right. you know, cleaning purifiers and all that. And I thought this right. is going to be so short lived. I don't necessarily want to get into that market. And, and we didn't. Uh, hmm. And we are now migrating into that, unfortunately. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, I think we're going to have, I predict we're going to have a fairly normal return to school in the fall. But I don't think all of these precautions that are in place are going to go away anytime soon. So, we, we do have several vendors that now offer the, the bigger plexiglass shields and, the, and mm. the clear dividers where you can divide a table so all the children have their own, you know, little workspace. And uh, so we are starting to add some of those um, products. Fabulous. Uh, yep. And I think it's going to continue for a little while. And being a parent, you know, we, we uh, provide a lot of supplies for our kids in their classroom. I never thought I'd be buying Kleenex and Windex. And uh, now that my wife works in the school district, I get it. Um, I don't have time to do that. So does school box offer anything that, you know, I can get my supplies for my children to their classroom? Cause before you know it, we're going to be back in August, back to school. Yeah. So about four years ago, we started a whole separate website called schoolboxkits.com. Uh, and all of those supplies you just talked about are on there. Most of them are on our regular website as well, but we've grouped all of those on to this new website. Okay. We partner with the PTAs at a lot of the schools, um, 50 or 60 of them here in the Atlanta area and then in some, several churches. We work with them. We take that list that they usually hand out to the parents and say, here, make sure you have these supplies on the first day of school. And we create a kit out of those specific to their grade and their school. Wow. Put all that online and the they the PTA promotes that to the parents and says, Hey, this is, you know, this will support our school. Here's an easy way for you to get your supplies at the beginning of the year. And the parents 
they can go online, find their school, find their class, wow. and push a button, and they're done. They don't have to go shopping. They're getting exactly what's on that list. I we, like that. We build those all summer, arrange a time to deliver them to the school, and when you show up to meet your teacher, your child's box is sitting on the desk with their name on it, and it's ready to start the year. So, For some reason, it sounds a lot more enjoyable than going to Target. No offense, Target, but... <laughs> I mean, it's got to be easy. Well, you know, it, and again, I think uh, parents have been pent up in the office or home, and now they're going to be laser focused on work and anything that they don't have to do in, in terms of that, it'd be very helpful. So, yeah, well, it's a benefit to the school because they get a, um, a percentage of that sale back. So it's oh, wow. a, it truly is a fundraiser for the PTA. Awesome. Uh, we have several schools who are super supportive and their parents are super supportive that are getting, you know, three, $4,000 back as a, as a kind of a rebate at the end of their season. So it's wow. a huge fundraiser for them. It, it's convenient for the parents. Um, and so we're, now we're seeing some segue and we're doing a lot with in the church uh, arena. They have these programs where they have a backpack driver. They collect supplies to help, you know, in the schools that are maybe in underprivileged or in the areas around them. And mm-hmm. um, that has become a huge thing for us too. We, we create backpack kits right on their website. They link it to their church service or their website or what have you. And we're, we're building, you know, we built probably 2000 backpacks for just one of our churches over the summer and delivered all of those. Uh, wow. And instead of the parent, you know, and of course last year was really important because most of the churches were virtual. So this was their only way to carry on the drive that they've had the last several years was to put that link on the website and let them just come shopping. And we had, you know, we had some pretty big, deliveries of backpacks to some areas in Atlanta and uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and some other areas with, that really allowed those churches to take that and, and give back to their community. So we're real proud to be a part of that as well. Oh, that's terrific because it serves multiple needs and, and missions. You're helping people, you're making it easy. Um, you're local. I mean, there's all these positives. Um, I wanted to get back just real quick. You'd mentioned uh, GPO or group purchasing. What does that mean for our viewers that don't know what that means. Yeah. So there's several, um, several organizations in Atlanta that, um, have been formed over the years to help kind of benefit, um, a particular group. You know, there's a couple in the uh, early childhood space. There's, mm-hmm. uh, one in Atlanta that's been around longer than we've been in business and they are, um, basically a kind of a consortium for all the big private schools that are here in Atlanta and in the states that touch Atlanta. So okay. not only do they help, um, provide them uh, better pricing on, you know, school construction, copiers when they have to buy school buses, um, wow. you know, all of that. And then in the educational supply space, we've been kind of the preferred vendor with them for, how old's my son? 27. So oh, 27 wow. years we've been doing that. So, and that was a good segue for us into um, the private, you know, school space, which we've been working in, you know, very proudly for all those years. Terrific story. Um, I know a lot of people I've talked to about Schoolbox. We're really looking forward to this show, to learning more about your company. And I can't thank you for being on the show today. How do people get a hold of you? Where do they visit you online? Yeah, so our website is just simply schoolbox.com uh, or schoolboxkits.com, depending on which you, know, you would like. Um, they can call our customer service folks anytime, 770-919-2232. They can reach any of us. We're you know, we've been around a long time, but we're a small but nimble group. So there's about 12 of us in our building and we're all available to help out. I love it. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And if you don't mind, would you be willing to stick around while we introduce our next guest? Absolutely. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I'd like to welcome to the show, Paul Brandon with Vehicle Media in Atlanta. Paul, how you doing? I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. 
Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, started my career in um, traditional television, radio, and print advertising and marketing um, on the production end. Moved to Atlanta in 2008, 2009, or 2008, um, working in the marketing department of uh, employee benefits and affinity program which is pretty much the worst time to ever be in marketing involving employment. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, that while paying rent in Birmingham and Atlanta simultaneously, um, needless to say that job evaporated. Mm-hmm. Um, saying all that to say that uh, I had a digital background and in programming websites since I was 1994. Right. Um, so I went to all of my original advertising clients um, the studio I'd worked at had been in business since uh, the late 60s, right? So they had decades of agency clients that did nothing but traditional. So they knew me, and I said, hey, guys, I know no one's doing your interactive or web. Um, so it started off, I was kind of like this rogue freelance project manager for traditional agencies and marketing firms that did not have hmm. someone doing their web. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the course of time, you know, I hired employee number one about 11 years ago. Wow. Uh, he's still with us today. Awesome. Has, has been remote 11 of those years, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I love it. Um, make my way back to Birmingham a lot. I think that this industry is fun because it keeps you on your toes and, you know, no one day similar than the previous. So, um, that's how I got here and why I'm here. Wow, that's amazing. So the name of your company is Vehicle Media. How'd you come up with that name? Oh, my gosh. I hate this answer. Um, okay, so there's two answers. Um, originally, is because I was driving back and forth to Birmingham so much, I facetiously <laughs> told my mother. In a vehicle. In a vehicle. Yeah, I was on the phone with my mom, and I said, I think I'm going to call this Vehicle Media. Um, but realistically, throughout the time, as we started you know, building websites and marketing for folks, um, one of the words we kind of inadvertently started hearing folks say was, well, is this the best vehicle for our message? And, you know, it was one of those things that let's call it, you know, what's better being good or being lucky, you know? Right. And it was one of those things where we kind of started realizing that I guess the positioning is, you know, your marketing efforts are only as effective as the vehicle in which they're traveling. Um, now that was retrofit a couple of years afterwards, but it's very applicable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, I, I think it's incredibly applicable now as there are so many medium in terms of, you know, this podcast, right. all types of you know, YouTube pre-roll videos, you know, traditional my chil- radio. My own children do not watch television. I don't watch television. I don't get it. They stream everything. Well, guess what? Now that's what I would, that's what I do. That's when I met Stone, I said, what's the radio station number? He laughed at me. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it's the thing though, you know, it's like, you know, I, I was talking to, um, staff member who now is, you know, uh, younger, I guess, generation C. And I was talking about, you know, it's a little bit left of the dial. Right. And they had no idea what what left of the dial meant. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Your car doesn't have a radio in it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's, you know, part of the evolution of, you know, media as we know it and being a marketing and advertising firm. Our goal is to kind of determine which makes the most sense, Um, which always has been websites, right? Especially in the last, you know, let's call it 15 years, 10 years, particularly. Yeah. Um, but you know, as I'm sure we'll kind of go through as we through this, um, there's been a lot of fads, a lot of things that stuck. Yeah. I was just going to ask you like the evolution of 
technology and media has changed dramatically. It's wild. You know, there, there are things that LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that I thought never would stick. If you had told me in 2010, that LinkedIn would be one of our best resources for generating leads and business for really B2B clients, particularly I would have said you're crazy that LinkedIn is only for the unemployed, the recruiters <laughs> right. or those looking to change jobs. Yep. And, and it's true, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whereas you look now and it's fascinating when you think people talk about search engine optimization. Well, right. LinkedIn is one of the largest influencers on Google and the search engines because there's no fluff or there's less, you know, people are on there wanting to impress their colleagues Right. Versus Facebook is noise. I'm sure you guys, right. I, I don't use Facebook anymore because it gives me hypertension. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's true, but you know, so LinkedIn's a great example of one that I think you've seen like the largest evolution Absolutely. because it has a much more practical and uh, commercial application. Um, like QR codes are fascinating. Uh, I remember when those first came out about 10 or 11 years ago, um, you know, we worked with the large pizza franchise here. And uh, everybody was talking about doing QR codes. Well, at the time, you had to have a QR reader. Right. Well, I've been in tech my entire life, and I said this isn't asinine interstitial just go to Just go to the website. Right. right. Yeah, you know, and you fast forward now to the COVID era, and you just put your camera in front of that. Right, and it opens up Safari or your browser. Mm-hmm. You don't need a QR reader. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start making QR barcodes even branded with like your logo in them just it's almost like a magic eye the way people design them you know so that's another one i thought that you know it's like well there's no way this is going to work there are too many steps involved Mm -hmm. i remember one time i saw a um, qr code on a billboard and i was just laughing i was like this has no shot i mean it literally physically has no shot because can you scan that while you're driving i don't understand i I mean if you have no risk you know in atlanta that's dangerous well it's either that or you're in a parking lot you know like on a or a mobile a, you know, thoroughfare that's right. turned into a parking lot. So, um, but no, you know, I think that those are two for me, at least the more interesting ones that I would have bet the farm against mm-hmm. at least in terms of their impact and longevity. But I think COVID as everyone has determined, it kind of forced everyone to evolve a little bit. I don't think QR codes even operated this way two years ago. And they're changing the way all these operate just because true. it's got to go quick. You know, right. um, we worked a lot with the restaurant space for the last 12 years and it's unbelievable watching literally every restaurant group go this way. So a lot of our big pivots is making sure that their online menus um, are optimized for your phone because that's what you do. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's been a very interesting I wouldn't even say pivot. And I honestly don't see it really going anywhere. If you think about your costs tied up in printing menus and things like that, um, ease of use, people are typically on their smartphones while they're having dinner or lunch with their families. Anyways, why not do it? Right. You know, so why not do it before you start (laughs) your meal? Right. So, you know, I don't really see that going anywhere because you're cutting down again on print cost, especially if you're, you know, a, a very large, either regional or national or, or heck even local, your print cost is incredible, especially if you change your menu a good bit. You know? So specific to vehicle media pre pandemic and now mm-hmm. what has been the change? We talked a little bit about the QR codes and, and, and that bit, but 
pre-COVID, business is running, you're doing your thing, and then COVID hits. So how did you pivot? Did you have to pivot? This is a long story. Um, so we had been in the process of pivoting only because kind of to what we had, I'd say the last 24 months, 18 months coming into COVID, you know, we had started the first seven years as a fully remote company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the employees have been with us five, seven, 11 years, none of which are in Atlanta, nor have they ever been. Wow. Um, it's remiss to think the best web developer you can get is within driving distance of where you are. Right. And a guy, a web developer that cannot work exclusively on the web, not the web developer that you want. Exactly. So, um, you know, so with one is when we were kind of looking at ourselves from, you know, a quote, full service agency, it, it, it was, you know, Dave hit it best as, you know, he's talking about his, his staff, you know, now he has web developers on staff. He, you know, has various roles. So when we were looking at our kind of pivot pre-COVID, it was acknowledging, okay, well, sometimes we are the production team, but sometimes we're consultants working alongside folks like Dave or their marketing department or what have you. Right. Um, So I'm saying all that to say that we'd always had a history of a remote culture. For the seven years, we were fully remote. Five of those, we were in an office. Um, So coming into COVID, we had the plan of um, getting out of the office because it wasn't really worth the overhead. Our A players were all out of market, typically. Um, so coming into that, you know, granted, I think everybody kind of got caught, you know, with their, you know, just head on a swivel here. But for us, you know, that th- I think the things that changed were, you know, I think it really forced the hand of determining which type of businesses work best in a digital environment in periods of recessions and downturns. Like I started the business in you know, in the middle of a recession. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in recessions because there's so many gaps that you can fill. Um, so for us, you know, a lot of the things were kind of, I wouldn't say it changed dramatically. Mm. You know, I would say like our retail and our restaurant clients suffered significantly. Right. right. Um, you know, I think that was an interesting move that we did in terms of a pivot. Um, this is something we've been working on, but you know, the great thing about the payroll protection program is that it turns you back on. So for companies like us, where we're fully remote and virtual, we're back on. But if you have a lot of brick and mortar and retail clients, what are you going to do with your full 40 hours? So when that first came back on, we said, okay, look for every moment you're not billable, we're creating e-commerce sites. We're creating software as a service for um, legal practice management for small to medium-sized law firms. Mm. So that, you know, and gradually throughout that period, more and more clients came on. By came on, I mean, came back in business or right. opened their doors. But by the time that was done, we had 10 e-commerce sites completed. Wow. We had an entire software product completed finally. It was kind of been on the back burner. And then next thing you know, the economy kicks back on we've got these auxiliary tertiary businesses still running. Um, so that was kind of how, you know, you know, vehicle media has, I wouldn't say necessarily weathered the storm, but it, you know, it really was weathering the storm. And sure. they, they've used the word a lot shift a good bit. there's kind of like a separate, not separate, but a, another side of vehicle that we call shift digital. It kind of works with two separate sides of the market because businesses have shifted entirely. Your entire, even us, like your entire perception of how you're going to operate. 
you know, there really is no normal or consistency. There's the ability to be nimble, right? Um, and not have, you know, I'd rather be a ski boat than a, um, uh, a yacht at this, in this market right now. Right. You know, so, and then, you know, thinking about Dave's business, um, folks that know school box and they feel comfortable going to the stores, if they haven't gotten a vaccine, maybe they don't want to go to the store. So if you don't have an electronic solution website, you you don't, the minute that consumer clicks off to Amazon or somebody, it's They're hard gone. to get them back. They're gone. Now, can you help me squash the perception that your company is too expensive? There's a lot of entrepreneurs that have came out of COVID. Um, I hear a lot of things like there's opportunity in chaos or mm-hmm. COVID, especially there's all these new businesses popping up out of their homes, but they won't even reach out because they, the perception becomes reality. Can't afford it. Can you help talk us through that process of, uh, you know, what's your ideal client? Um, you know, is it going to be a million bucks? Uh, not getting specific, but. Oh, sure. You know, this is a very interesting one because, you know, you look at conventional or not conventional, but, you know, what you think as like when you watch Mad Men, right? The, right. That, you know, we're going to work with. Coca-Cola. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. ring your bingo board of national brands, most right. of which from Atlanta, you know, so you, <laughs> you've got that side, which um, as a fairly risk averse person in the business world, not in necessarily other situations in life. Um, but in the business world, you know, you can't really hedge on that. Um, so when we kind of started looking at, you know, who our ideal customers are, you know, we always know we love the B2B space because if we can say, you know, Hey Dave, we can guarantee you 150 phone calls a month based on this. Wow. Advertising set, you know, at that point, those are marketing qualified leads, right? So that's on your team's job to convert them. Um, so with a lot of this, we just take a look and see, you know, who we really can actually help and make a dent. If someone calls and says, Hey, we need a website, you know, a lot of like their, you know, their question is, what does it cost? Well, it's kind of like, you know, what does a car or what does a house cost? It's all relative to what you're trying to get out of it. Okay. Um, a Corolla is a much different price point than like a Ferrari Testarossa. Right. Um, and some people don't need that. So, you know, a lot of the things to address your point of, Hey, you're too expensive or Hey, you're too cheap. You know, you hear that a lot on the other side. If you're working with the, the big brands, right. they say, how are you doing this so inexpensive? And then some folks say, how are you guys so expensive? Again, it's all relative to the baseline. So for us, it's kind of approaching it, doing a needs analysis and discovery. Mm. And, you know, with being a kind of nimble group with low overhead relative, we're able to say, okay, well, you know, the biggest company on earth's projects for all intents and purposes is the same thing as a five person accounting firm. Exactly. So for us, you know, when we get into verticals and markets, you know, there's, you know, we have our specialties. We love professional services, B2B. Okay. We've done a lot in the restaurant space for ever. Um, but, you know, particularly, you know, I, I think that the thing we provide the most value with is measurable. Like I prefer, I, um, I really, and I hate to use the phrase click ads because it's right. has a negative connotation these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can look at it in terms of like rel- quote relevant content. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like I don't have a child, so I'm not Dave's prospect at all. Right. Right. So I don't ever need to see this advertisement versus if I was watching on television, I might see it four or five times running. I may tell my friends with children, but at the end of the day, he still could be wasting a dollar. Not always though. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the evolutions of determining 
the mix. Let me ask you too, because you're technical and you, and you get all this. I have found if I'm having a discussion with my wife about, I don't know, steak dinner, all of a sudden I'm getting all these ads from oh boy. Ruth Chris. Can you just educate us quickly on why and how that happens? Now, that would be cool because if I'm talking to my wife about furniture for a classroom, mm-hmm. I want to see school box. Sure. But how does that work? So uh, I guess I'll answer that the question. Um, when was the last time and how many times have you read your iTunes or Amazon terms of use or policy services or uh, your uh, Apple? I'm reading it now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Every 10 <laughs> so seconds. It, it's wild, right? right. Um, Amazon has a particularly interesting one in that it's almost the wild, wild west in that they will take any type of application in the Alexa store. And it's not that they don't do their due diligence, but it's listening to everything. Now it's not saying Paul Brandon said the word Toyota Corolla on a podcast, but they do hear that someone says Corolla Ah. in this IP address so that they know when my phone gets back to my house and you know, the same device connected to wireless, everyone that uses that, it will kind of start kicking in. Um, And like machine learning is a huge thing these days. And, you know, I hate to say that they're listening uh-oh. But they are, you know, I mean, like a great example <laughs> for me, you know, you talked about furniture. Wow. Well, I had one a month ago where I had a friend talking about ulcerative colitis. I had never heard of that. Sounds painful. Uh, it is, I guess. I had never heard of that whatsoever my entire life, oh. although it's, you know, common now, which I learned because I was on YouTube and this was <laughs> the next day I started seeing ads for ulcerative colitis. And I was like, my that's gosh. what I'm talking about. It's kind of <laughs> freaking me out. Oh, it's very, it's very freaky, you know, because it's, it's, you know, you go through and you read the terms of service, which again, literally no Nobody one reads. does except for their attorneys who are doing fairly well on that. <laughs> that, <laughs> they're pivoting well. Yeah. They're doing decent, those documents, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not a myth. It's very much what's going on. It's not like uh, serendipity or divine intervention. It's machine learning. And, you know, again, though, it's not identifying you to a specific person, which, you know, I I think that I'm a relatively private person. I respect my privacy probably too much or protect it too much, which is why if you try to Google me, I'm not really there as much. But um, from a practical application side, you know, coming from a television and radio background and billboards, you know, you can really kind of hone in and, you know, you, you, it's kind of like matrix, red pill, blue pill kind of thing. You have to decide, well, would I rather have relevant things shown to me as a consumer? Would I rather have relevant things shown to me mm-hmm. that I know that I want to see? Mm-hmm. And then as a business owner, do I want to waste my money on people that may not actually be targets? Exactly. So if you look at that from a thousand feet out, you said, well, that makes all the sense in the world. Now your day to day, when you see an ulcerative colitis video or, you know, when we leave this, I'll gosh knows what we'll see when we come out of here. Uh, Let yeah. me know if there's anything inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, I hope there's not, uh, I'm but, tying that to the school box and the search could be very interesting. So, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So just plug, Did you plug. say schoolbox.com? Yeah. I think okay. I've heard of schoolbox.com. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice. everywhere, but no, I mean, I love that question because, you know, I mean, gosh, I haven't even read the terms. No, nobody, nobody reads does. The terms. If you don't accept the terms, then you're not going to have any apps on your phone. And would, so, it's much quicker to press. Yes. I want to be able to text my grand you know, mother. Exactly. So I'll just say yes. And, but uh, I will say that Amazon's Alexa store 
is the one that's the most interesting because I mean, oh. you can push anything through that with, you know, the iTunes store, you may go through five or six different iterations of, we need you to make these adjustments. We fought the, um, the, uh, Amazon echo. I call them the pucks. Mm-hmm. So I, Santa broke down and the children received them this year. Not a good move. And here's why I can't buy anything on Amazon because they said, dad, Alexa just said the, um, you know, the Oculus two you order me is being delivered tomorrow. Bam. So little scary. So, uh, I'm a big fan of small business. I own a small business as well, uh, which is another reason why, uh, Dave's here. I just love them. And, uh, so, what should a customer do? Like websites used to be kind of all the same. And if you go to vehicle media, your website, and we'll, we'll announce how to get in touch with you. It looks different. It's some people got these really cool sites. So the perception is that's too much money, but it's like a video. It's not static. It's easy to do business. People don't want to click a million times to buy a desk or a you pencil. That. So what is that called? The video, uh, the websites that I see where it has a video on the welcome page, maybe about their story. What's it? What do you well, call that? And does it cost a lot more than just text? No, and that's where this gets so funny. You know, it's all going to like a discovery and needs analysis. It's right. it's all the same thing, right? You know, I mean, uh, a Toyota Camry and a Lexus ES three hundred are literally the exact same car with a different badge symbol on them. So, Good to know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and if you go to Jamaica, all of the Lexus have Toyota emblems on them, which is kind of odd, but. um completely irrelevant, you know, um, interesting though, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> I, I would say that within the context of this is price points really difficult because there's perceived value. Right. And then there's actual value. I, I found that, uh, with SMBs, you know, let's call it zero to 5 million a year, okay. maybe 10. Um, some of them have more liquid cash to act on than some of the larger companies, but they don't even need to spend as much on those projects. Um, but then some, you know, you'll we'll have clients that will spend more money in either security or making their website. This is huge American disability act compliant. Very much. That's, I mean, you're talking about a cottage industry here, guys, like there are law firms that will send out claims. I saw this happen once. We had a client that was, um, your point about how can a website kind of creep up on price. Right. Here's a website that should have cost X uh, ended up costing significantly more because uh, it was a jewelry store website uh, for all intents and purposes. Let's just call it Idaho. Okay. Uh, it wasn't, but just to stay. And they got a claim from an attorney saying that a 13 year old blind boy in another state could not access their e-commerce website. Wow. Right. So what you get there is it's almost like a modern day ambulance chaser. So we're kind of getting to like, that's a wild, wild west situation in that. Wow. Right. So all of these sites now, this is a great one is, you know, we have to ask them in the, you know, discovery processes. Does the site need to be American Disability Act compliant? Like all of our .gov clients, it has to be. Right. You know, but some people say, well, it's not worth the money. I'll wait to see if a claim comes through. Exactly. Because they always ask to settle with it. You know, it's typically like a firm in Florida that's cranking out thousands of claims a day. Mm -hmm. If you respond to it, they're just going to ask for that claim. Sure. It's cheaper than litigating. It's like another version of ransom, ransomware. hundred percent. No, it's moderately, you know, it is a legal version of ransomware. And then it's also a racket if you want to invite me for another. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, that, that entire industry is, um, 
difficult like that. But yeah, you know, price point, you know, we've, we've always thought when people ask that we try to have something for everyone. We kind of, like I said, I wouldn't say two separate sides of the business, Mm -hmm. but not every, it's kind of like real estate. You have custom homes and you have spec homes, right? right? right. Not everybody needs the custom home, right? The spec home will house your family of five. You've got your bathrooms, your kitchen. It does what you need it to do. Well, you guys do fabulous work. I encourage everybody to visit your site. So how do people get in touch with you? Um, so our site's vehiclemedia.com. Um, I like giving my email out. It's paul at vehiclemedia.com as well. We've got plenty of contact forms there. Um, those are probably the two best ways. We're fairly active, um, social media. Sometimes the cobbler's children definitely don't have our shoes on in that, but, but you know, it's in our business, it's not necessarily as necessary as it is in others. Cause you know, what's, we're much more of a relationship business than we are a transactional business, I suppose. I think small business appreciates that, especially all that we've all been through and, those of us that made it, you know, we want to proceed. And I think uh, the economy is coming back and people want to spend money. So um, obviously I, I caught that you didn't give me a phone number. So you're a tech company. You prefer email, I'm sure, because it's uh, as quick and easy. Yeah. So I was actually trying to think of the office line, uh, but one of them is 205-994-6612. Okay. That's the Birmingham area code. The Atlanta ones eluded me. Um, yeah, no, I should know this. Right. But it all comes through the website these days, you know, I mean, like our clients have our phone numbers once we get rolling with it. Right. Um, but kind of once we get through that, um, it's all the direct one-to-one. It was great having you on the show, Paul, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, uh, uh, think everybody learned a lot. I always learn something new on the show. So thanks for coming by. Appreciate you you having us. Appreciate it. (laughs) 